Hello, this is Ken, your podcast preacher. Welcome back to my podcast, Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in and through our lives. The title of this message is Former Rain, Latter Rain. Rain, rain, rain. <laughs> rain, weed, seeds, soil, and harvest. Is this a trip to the garden? Nope. Not at least to the natural garden, but to the spiritual one. Joel 2:23-24. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Former rain, latter rain. Rain, rain, come again, to show us who is born again. (laughs) So what a funny start, eh? So what does this mean? Well, it means that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Wow, how did I drift into that transition? I don't know, maybe drifting is a spiritual gift. If not formerly, then perhaps latterly. But now we have a parallel thing going on in this message, so let me explain. And almost right out of the box. The former rain and the latter rain is used to define God, more or less pouring out his spirit on all flesh. This is an angle, but not the whole triangle, meaning there is more of God's former and latter rain stuff. But I'm not trying to go big here. Acts 2.17 And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now, I'm not going to debate this next item as I think that you can see what you want to see. But when it states all flesh, it is not my belief or understanding that it is both the believer and the unbeliever, like everybody on the planet, you see. I believe that in context, this is what this is saying. But that I am now just moving through this, I must, well, teach it, so that you don't jump out of the car and just turn. Let's look at where Luke got this scripture. As we know, many of the New Testament peeps including our Lord, quoted Old Testament scripture. Joel 2:21-32. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beast of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine tree yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully. He will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat. And the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust. The consuming locust. The chewing locust. My great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, and also on my men servants and on my maid servants, 
I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heaven and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So I took a big bite as I didn't want to leave out the beautiful end of this thing, which is such a beautiful invitation, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. So anyways, you see it? Let me read verse 23 again. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain. It seems to me that he pours out his spirit on all of the flesh that is his. He is talking to a specific group of peeps, not the whole world here. But now we know we see in part and not the whole picture. However, I can't just get past the context, which is that God is specifically talking to his people. The house of Israel, the house of David, you know, those in Christ. See Ezekiel 39:29, Zechariah 12:10, and Galatians 3:28 for a clearer understanding, and you can then make up your own mind. Now there was power in the former rain times, but it stands to reason and to Scripture that there will be more power in the latter times, more of God's power to meet with or in response to sin abounding. Romans 5:20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Now some would say, and have stated, that we are in those days of the latter rain, including those, no but especially those, who have experienced a revival-level presence of God. The Azusa Street Revival, which took place around the beginning of 1906 or so, was just one of those events. I mean, if you saw shafts of light shooting through the old Methodist building into heaven, meeting shafts of light coming down from heaven, well, you must just might be correct in the latter rain pronouncement. I mean, if you got off the subway or train located some blocks away from that outpouring, and you suddenly fell over drunk and convicted of your sins simultaneously, well, again, you may become a latter rain advocate or even expert advisor. But so now how long does a latter rain period run? I mean, this is a storm we do not want to blow by us in a hurry at all. In fact, we want more, yes, more for our days, because in our days, evil is expressively abounding and can only be met with the forces of God working in and through us. You see, way back in the day, 110 was enough power. But as we advanced, we needed to go to 220. And now, even in these days, 440 or more. When, and it's just my opinion, but when I lay hands on or speak to the devil to vacate the premises, I want him to know the 440 power of God, not the 110. <laughs> okay, so we don't get too amped up. We should move on. On a side note, as I think I already went deeper on the rain stuff than I wanted to, you know, I learned something profound from a dead man. William Brandon was often heard publicly sharing that a man ought not go further then you ought to go. You have what you have, and you shouldn't try to exceed those bounds. So I leave the deeper rain stuff to those more qualified. So now I get reminded of the scripture that says this very thing about rain, and I will define this in a moment, but the book I was reading is called 
The Footprints on the Sand of Time, Volume 1 of 2, by William Brannan. But it's not so much a mystical thing, which, by the way, would often follow his ministry, and which I love to read about, but it is a truth, a truth that we should all be reminded of, and the why is forthcoming. The rain falls on those from the tree of life, and those who continue to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yep, you see, I jerked the wheel back to the point. If we go to Matthew, it states that many will come to Jesus and say, Did we not cast out demons in your name? Lay hands on the sick, did they not get well? And perform many signs and miracles in your name? And we know that Jesus' response was, Get away from me, for I don't know you. And pay attention to this next line. And of course I'm paraphrasing. But I'll put the scripture in here so you know precisely what it states. You who practice lawlessness. What? The legalistic practicing lawlessness? And yet this is stated and is not an oxymoron. Jesus knows a man, doesn't he? Matthew 7, 21-23 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So the obvious question is, how is it that these men were able to perform miracles, signs, and wonders, and not yet know who God is? Some say that it is because all men have gifts, and whether they are automatically born again or not, doesn't stop or hinder the gift from operating. Now the gifts I'm talking about are spiritual, and they must be activated spiritually. So if the Holy Spirit is not activating them, then you know who is, right? Yep, the devil. He is one of the greatest counterfeiters of all time, and has had a lot of time to work his craft. But like I said earlier, you should not go beyond what you should. And Satan is even more restricted in that he has to have permission from God to move against us. And yes, he can, when you sin and you leave the door open, through unrepentance. Romans 11.29 For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. So you should check yourself so you don't get sideways when you run into one of them that are unknowers seeing that they just healed somebody and then they move to give you a word from the devil. Oops, no doubt somebody just learned something right there. I know that I had to. In my early days, I didn't believe that a person who didn't know God could actually perform signs and wonders. I figured they were magic signs and wonders, which looked real, such as in the day of Moses, when he turned his staff into a snake, and then the sorcerers turned their staffs into snakes. I guess they're not really magic, it's just a lesser version of what God can do, because as we saw back in those days, the sorcerers eventually ran out of tricks, and God did not. Moses turned their sticks into presto logs. But back to our stories. So good soil is good for good seed. End of story, right? Nope. Good soil is also good soil for bad seed. Yep. So we have good soil out there, and we have bad soil out there. Easy enough to discern what kind, as they take care of themselves by the results of both, right? Matthew 13, 8 and 23. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. 
Okay, so but we need some explanation, right? If you have bad soil, few to no good things grow. In fact, more weeds than fruitful things for sure. So, but the advantage of good soil is that the good fruitful stuff grows. And, as well, as the weeds, the undesirables. The important thing to know is that good soil represents good character, which is in part expressed better in Galatians. Galatians 5.22.26 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, but wait, the planting field is big, and so we still need further instruction. Matthew 13, 24, 30. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will send to the reapers. First gather together the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now if you go on in the story, you will see, well, let's see. Matthew thirteen thirty-seven forty-three. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness. And I will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I went to a garden party, and no, no, no. <laughs> so now with very little explanation, I will state spiritually speaking that your words are seeds. Now some come right out of your mouth, a plant already blooming with fruit, while others hit the soil running. Hmm, an example might look like this. When you pray for someone to get healed, some get it right away, while others go away and then get healed. You see, it's silly when we don't get healed immediately and then stomp on the seed with our words and kill any hope of a harvest. I know, I saw it too, right? When the rain falls, it falls on both the good seed and the bad seed. They both get the rain. And we know the Bible says that rain is a blessing, so therefore, the bad seeds get blessed just as the good seeds get blessed, in spite of their position in God. Matthew 5.45 That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son 
rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Hey Ken, next time just lead off with that. Well, if I did that, I wouldn't have anything to pot about. So why do we need to know all this? Because there are plenty of people out there operating in miracle signs and wonders, preaching the gospel, a perverted version no less. After all, Judas, by all accounts, was casting out demons along with the other twelve, until Satan entered in. And we need to be aware and active. We need to know this so that we can test their spirits when we sense something is off, but also ensure that, in every and all cases, we know the word of God and compare everything that everybody says and everything that we ever did read outside of the Bible with the Bible. The Bible is our everything. Without it, we have no spiritual standard. No truth which in these days is twisted to confuse, yes, Christians. You will see it if you rewatch the entire 2020 media reels about Donald Trump and COVID. Oh wait, I'm selling the devil short. If you also pay attention to BLM and the woke sleeper cells, you will also see. But only if you stay with it until the end. To see the deception and intentional deception carried out on behalf of a non-issue. Now, I'm not getting political, but those seem to be really good examples. Like, if media were to look back and see their performance, they may clamor for an Academy Award. Not picking on anyone, as we have all been stupid. I would just encourage you to pull off that highway and do things his way. The devil can look like the guy sitting right next to you in church, who might be prophesying or praying for the sick, while the non-equipped standard believer watches in amazement as they get healed. Discerning of spirits is a spiritual gift, which is why we need the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church, so that when the false comes in, they can detect them and send them fleeing. You won't be impressed or infatuated with spiritual gifts if you are operating in them for any length of time. You will come to know that it is God working through you to do His will. So, but now is everything that they say and do wrong? Nope, if a person gets healed, then they are healed, period. But a snake is always going to be a snake, and the motive is to draw people away from the real and get them into the false. Hansel and Gretel were led away because they were offered what they wanted at first. Once ensnared, they left what they needed and went after what they wanted. And lo and behold, they changed churches. I mean addresses. <laughs> is there arguing, bickering, and gossiping happening in your church? Somebody is probably false on operating in a contrary spirit. If there was a time for somebody to discern the spirit, it would be at that time, so that they can excuse that spirit, which could lead to healing or someone leaving. Unity is mandatory. A single-minded bride is a must. Blameless and spotless she will be. And no, not everybody who acts out is demon-possessed, but they indeed may have an issue with an unholy presence or even a sin thing. Helping them out is our first priority. Now I bring these things up because this is how this ministry works. I read either the Bible or a book and can get a message from them these days way too quickly. At times I can feel overwhelmed at how many messages I get in a day. This is my 11th message in a couple of hours this fine July 2nd morning. Perhaps this is why I have 300 plus messages in the pending queue. Lord help me to get these things out. But aside from my own workload, which I love, I want to help you to understand something. 
God says his rain falls on both the good and the bad, the righteous and the unrighteous. So it behooves you to read the Bible, and more than just a scripture a day. Read it like you watch TV. Okay, so maybe that's too big a bite to take. But start somewhere, and allow it to grow on you. You will eventually get the appetite to read it all the time. That's how it works. Doing so means that there's less of a chance that you'll be led astray. And in these days, yes, not tomorrow, for tomorrow is here. There is a chance you could be led astray. The book of Revelation is not a future story anymore. It's a today's story. So when you see someone operating in signs and wonder, do not get inebriated with what you see. Just discern it to ensure it's the right thing. And let the final assessment be of the fruit of the character of the person who is operating with those signs and wonders. Does not the word say that healing, knowledge, prophecies will eventually go away? And the only thing that will remain is your acts and service and love? 1 Corinthians 13 and 14.1 This isn't a message that I am just reminding you of, because a thousand other people talked about it before I ever did. This is a message for today, because things are getting worse, and they are getting worse really fast. I did a message titled The Last Gentile, which is about the fact that we are just one more Gentile who becomes authentically born again away before God shifts his attention back to the Jews, and the door to the Gentiles will be all but closed, but for the occasional person who falls under God's grace and slips in. I know some of you will say this isn't in the Bible, but you wouldn't be the first to say that, and I'm sure you will change your mind after you give the message a good listening to. So what's the moral of the story, Ken? More than anything, I believe that it's a reminder for us to focus on what His will and calling is for our lives, and to do that. No, I'm not saying to ignore issues or troubles when they show up through a false prophet or teacher, or in someone who is trying to create division, or struggling with sin and has no intention of letting it go. Nope, we must deal with those things. The house of God is a holy temple of which you, me, and we are. And when we get together, there should be a lot of holiness going on. But more than just judging all people based on where they are at in their walk with God, focus on what your job is down here and do your part in the body, which is made up of all living parts here on earth, right now in our generations. And we will be more successful. And boy, do we need to be that in this hour. Don't be afraid to operate in miracle signs and wonders, because as much as people see the false, they also need to see and experience the real. Moses still threw down his staff, and it had lunch. Well, that's it for this message. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.